we're talking about how to discover God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And I believe this is about week four. So um, I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to these messages, go online because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And not only that, everyone you disciple, everyone you lead to Christ needs to know how to get on the path that God has for them, right? Amen. Your life is important. Your life is not this experiment, right? No, no, God has a specific plan for you. He wants you to walk in victory, in joy, in peace, not in theory, but experientially. He wants you to experience his joy, his strength, his peace. He's more than enough. His mercy is greater than your disobedience. So be encouraged by that. Amen? So this is a foundational scripture. Let's go to Psalm 37.4 and we'll get going. And for those of you, I just want to talk to our church family that are at home tonight. Just remember, wherever you are, we're with you. There's no time or distance in the spirit. The same anointing that is here is there. And just receive everything that God has for you tonight. Turn your home, your car, wherever you may be, into a sanctuary. And for the rest of our online community, it's so good to have you with us tonight. Receive everything that God has for you. Psalm 37.4. You guys know it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that amazing? God says, and we've talked about this, God, the desires of your heart, the word desire, it means of the Father. Every true desire comes from him. And they're expressions of his will for your life. You've heard me say this. The word of God, which is his will, comes into your heart in the form of his word, right? But it comes out of your heart in the form of desires. So what happens as you delight in the Lord, he'll give you desires. They're expressions of his will. So the thing that he has for you to do, this path, this plan, this purpose for your life, this destiny, it was made for you. And it will connect with everything in you. Every, you'll love everything about it. And when you know God's will for your life, you're like a pit bull. You're not moving. When you walk with God, when you start to taste and see how good he is, you will literally refuse to ever take anything less than what he has provided for you by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The anointed one and his anointing. He came to this earth and took your place. He redeemed you from the curse of the law by being made a curse for you. There is nothing that the enemy has stolen for you that God will not bring back in your life while you're on this earth if you'll simply just get on the path and walk with him. Because he's good all the time. I mean, we could all testify. We could probably testify for a week just with the people sitting here tonight about how many times we chose wrong and God turned it all around as we turned to him. How he fixed every mess that we created, right? How that he helped us overcome every obstacle that ever came against us. How he pulled out lies of the enemy out of our, out of our subconscious mind how he renewed and renovated our thinking so that we can receive from him. So important. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And this word delight, as we've said every week, it literally at its foundation means to be pliable. It means, I think it's hilarious that Teresa gave away Play-Doh because Play-Doh is pliable, Right? So to delight, as you delight yourself in the Lord, and what that means is how you walk that out is you make God the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. And what you do as you do that, you become very pliable. 
And he's able to mold you into the man and woman of God that he has created you to be. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, I'm telling you what his ministry is, is he will pull out on the outside who you are on the inside. Oh, the mess that you might have lived in, mistakes that you might have made, that's not who you are. Isn't that good news? God is good. He loves you and has a plan for your life. So you can say this, we've said this in the past, all true desires come from God as a result of delighting in him. And these, exo- these desires are expressions of his will. So last week we jumped into Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. We're going to go through about the first six verses of Romans. We went through verse 1 very thoroughly, verse 2 fairly thoroughly. We're going to kind of go through those a little bit. Because if you come here on Sunday, we're, being, we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. So we've hit Romans 12, 1 and 2 pretty hard there too. But know this, being led by the Holy Spirit starts as you are aware of his presence in your life. You're living in his presence, united with him in fellowship, and submitted to his written word. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, literally tell you, specifically Romans 12, 2, tells you how to submit your life in every way to the written word of God so that you can walk out his plan for your life. It's, it's awesome. Romans 12, 1, let's look at this real quick. It says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, notice, you have to do this. You have to make a decision. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. And we really, I, I encourage you to go back and look at what that means. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or you could say it in the Greek literally, which is your spiritual worship, or which is a logical progression. That word literally, that phrase literally means logical progression. We're to yield our bodies as dead to sin and alive to God. That's what a living sacrifice is. I yield my flesh as dead But me, the spirit man that I am, is alive to God. So I present my body a living sacrifice. I make a one-time decision of this when I receive Christ, and then I continue to do this every day of my life on this earth. Right? Now, I don't have to do that in my own strength. The Bible, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me will teach me how to be continually strengthened inwardly in the, in the Lord and in the power of his might. He'll teach me how to do that. So I, I don't get in a works mentality where I'm trying to work for something. Listen, you can't do anything to make God love you anymore. Isn't that cool? You can't, you can't do anything to get him to forgive you because you're already forgiven. You can't do anything to get him to cleanse you and make you new because you already are cleansed and you're made new. Isn't that good news? Man, everybody needs to know that. And that's why you're here on the earth, so that everybody will know that. Amen? We make a one-time decision of this when I receive Christ, and then I continue in this daily. And the Holy Spirit teaches me how to do that. You yield your body, so this is a living sacrifice, You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ and then reckoning yourself dead to sin, which is the logical progression. That's my reasonable service. I have to know, I have to know who I am in Christ. That I am free, I'm not going to be free. That I am victorious. See, you have to know when you get in a battle 
especially when you're in a battle and that whole thing is because you messed up. You gotta know that you already have the victory. And you have to know that you're already in Christ, so you're forgiven. That all of your sin, almost 2,000 years ago, was once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus. It was paid for, so now that's what empowers you to walk holy on this earth. Because holiness always flows out of righteousness, so if you don't know you're righteous, it's impossible for you to walk holy. God is so good. He's done everything. Hallelujah. Satan, what he does, as we said last week, he tries to ignite your flesh. Why? So that you will live your life not as a living sacrifice. Because if you do that, then your behavior will break fellowship, not relationship, but it'll break fellowship. So now you're going to have trouble being led by the Spirit of God. You're going to have trouble walking out God's plan for your life. I love the word repent. It sounds so religious, but all it means is you change your mind. Isn't it amazing that you can be going so the wrong way in your life and all you have to do is change your mind? And guess what causes you to change your mind? It's the goodness of God. Isn't that good news? So, so be ready wherever you are. God is going to, in the person of the Holy Spirit, talk to you about how good he is and how much he loves you, how his mercy is new for you every day of your life, how he's faithful and how everything has been given to you and all you have to do is believe. We don't earn, we believe. Isn't that good news? This is huge. So that's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us exactly how we're going to do this, how we're going to know who we are in Christ so that we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. Romans 12, 2, it starts out. It says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Don't be pressed into the mold of being like someone who does not know God. And the world system will try to press you into that mold. Always. The whole world system is designed to literally, it, it's designed to create fear, to ignite your emotions so you get fearful, so that, and there's tests, there's trials, there's pressures. There's afflictions. They're all designed for you to design to put pressure on you to take your eyes off Jesus so that you don't know who you are. But I got to tell you, the greater one is on the inside of you. All these things, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, and it's so much greater than anything that is coming against you because we decide. It tells us, don't be conformed to the world, which means, see, God's just. He would never tell us this unless it's possible. Unless it's, and, and what did Jesus say? Not only possible, but Jesus said, listen, guys, take my yoke upon you. The yoke was the doctrine of a rabbi. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden, it's light. So everything we have in God is so much greater. It literally is just a decision. I'm no longer going to live like this. I am going to be the man of God that God has called me to be. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're more than enough, that you're the greater one on the inside of me, that you love me and that you're for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the word of God first place. I'm going to meditate in the word day and night. I'm going to taste so that I can see that you're good. And the more you taste, the more you see. And the gooder he gets. Amen? That's not proper English unless you get really hungry, then you don't care. When you're really hungry, you just, you just move, right? 
I love this. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing or the renovation, as it would say in the Greek, of your mind. Here's the key. How am I going to live my life presenting my body a living, holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God? I have to allow the word of God to renovate my thinking. There is only one thing on the planet that will renovate my thinking. There's only one thing. You can't go to enough counselors or psychiatrists or take any drugs, anything. This is the only medicine that will literally, the Bible says, as you put the living, powerful, active, and effective word of God in your spirit, man, it is able to bring salvation, healing, and wholeness to your soul. You can change into an entirely different person by changing the way that you think. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, and now we're going to see a progression. Three adjectives that literally describe the one will of God for your life. The good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Why three adjectives? Notice it doesn't say wills of God. It says good, acceptable, and perfect, singular, will of God. Three adjectives, good, acceptable, perfect. It's a progression. These Greek words are showing a progression. Why? Because the renovation of your mind is a progression. So you move into the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God as you renovate your thinking and your life is transformed. That's all Paul is saying here. Isn't that good news? I mean, okay, that's all he's saying. You know, a million years from now, we're all going to have a lot of revelation. And we're going to go, wow, was the word of God powerful back when I was at Faith Family Church, you know, 980,000 years ago? Because it's amazing how little revelation there really was then compared to what we know about him now. Because he just gets, he just keeps getting bigger and better. And that's why it's called the gospel. That Greek word means something that is, it literally would mean something too good to be true. We don't have to do anything to walk in this glorious life except simply believe God. I love that. This is how I present my body a living sacrifice. I find, have you ever heard this before? I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And then I walk in the victory of it. Remember we said that, didn't we? Let's say that again. I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And then I walk in the victory of it. I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And I walk in victory. Isn't that good news? How could it be any? It's simple. So if, if that's true, and you have sickness in your body, and you find out that Jesus himself, Matthew 8, bore your sickness and carried your pain, Jesus himself did that, that what sickness is attacking you today, or what disease would be attacking you today, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore it so you wouldn't have to. That according to Galatians 3, he redeemed me from the curse of the law, which includes all sickness and all disease. I find that, I find out what his word says about it. And then all I got to do is renew my mind to it. How do I do that? I meditate in his word day and night. So how, what does meditate mean? It means to mutter. It means to say over and over again. So a pain hits my body. I get a report from a doctor. I don't deny the report. I thank the doctor. And then I walk out. But I believe, I believe the Lord's report. Right? So I walk around all day. Father, I thank you that Christ redeemed me 
from the curse of sickness and disease. Father, I thank you that he sent his word and healed me. Right? We walk around all day. Father, I thank you that according to Romans chapter 8, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead almost 2,000 years ago dwells in me. And if he dwells in me, then with that same power that he rose him from the dead, he's right now in me, quickening my mortal body. Make, that Greek word means making me alive, making me whole, healing me, restoring my body to health. Wow. Look at that. It shook the sign. I'm telling you, God moves powerfully. See, this is, and I keep, I keep meditating on that. What happens is I renew my mind to that. All of a sudden now, it makes total sense, and I present my body a living, holy sacrifice. I tell it, pain, you got to leave my body. Satan, I bind you, I shut you down, take your hands off of me. I am the healed. He'll say, well, what? Well, you know, why, why do you still see the symptoms? When are you going to be healed? I'm healed right now. You know it, and I know it. I have to talk to you right now out of my mind because you're such a loser, you can't talk to my spirit. But according to the word of God, and I just like Jesus in the, in the wilderness, it is written, it is written, it is written. When fear tries to grip you, you renew your mind to it. You find out, is it God's will that I have fear? And you find out in the Bible, it says, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So that means I fear no evil because he's with me. So I keep renewing my mind to that and I walk in the victory of it. This is what we're talking about, the transformation of my life because my thinking is being renewed. I'm no longer thinking like the world thinks. See, the world thinks like, man, I really hope this works out. And their, their definition of that is, it may and it may not. But a Christian, our hope is based on what God says. So that Greek word hope literally means a confident, joyous expectation. I already know the end result. So I can stand at the beginning of my battle right now and already tell the end, just like my father. He tells the end from the beginning. I can stand right here when all hell, hear me now, when all hell is breaking loose in my life, I can stand at the beginning of this battle where there is no natural way to see victory and I could just be at peace and joy. I don't know about you, I've got goosebumps coming out of my spirit right now and I can tell the end. I'm going over. I'm never going to be under. See, that's what we're talking about. That's God's will for your life. Reading God's word is not enough. You must feed on God's word. You chew it. Right? You chew it. You say it over and over. I'm telling you, the more you chew, the sweeter it gets. The more you chew, the hungrier you get. When Satan just throws all this junk at your life, you want to be alone. Your flesh wants to be alone. I got to work this out. I can do this. Your spirit's going, forget that. We don't have to do any of that. You're created to do everything with God, nothing alone. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm not the poor trying to get rich. Right? I'm already, the Bible says, because I'm his, the blessing of Abraham's upon me. He was made poor almost 2,000 years ago so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. He bore my sickness so that I could walk in divine health. I have a sound mind, soundness of mind. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no terror. There's no depression. It can't dwell in me. It's got to leave in Jesus' name. I'm not going to put up with it. If you're fighting symptoms of depression tonight, I know there's several people listening, either online or here. You're fighting some symptoms of depression. Listen, your spirit is not depressed. Your spirit is at peace. 
And as you feed on what connects you, the spirit man that you are, to the outside world, that's your soul. If you'll just fill it with the word of God, all of a sudden, you'll be free. The Bible says the implanted word brings wholeness to your soulish realm. Hallelujah. You must get God's word down on the inside of you so that you can reckon yourself to be who the word says you are instead of what the world is trying to tell you you are. Right? I don't, I'm not defined outwardly. I'm defined inwardly. I don't let the pressure of the outside move me. Everything that moves me comes from the inside. I'm like a tree planted by rivers of water. My leaf, not only will it not wither, it can't wither because I'm planted by rivers of living water. It means I'm going to yield all of my fruit in my season and everything I put my hand to, my Father, by His Spirit, will bring it to maturity. There are angels on dispatch, it says in Hebrews, to minister for me as an heir of salvation. Paul is talking about in Romans 12 too, the progression of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to the truth of God's word. That's what Paul's talking about. Being conformed to the world simply means that the outside pressure of the world is trying to press you into the world's mold. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soulish realm with what you already know, the revelation knowledge that you already know in your spirit. That's when you grow spiritually. You have to align your soulish realm. How do you do that? You do that by meditating in the word, saying it over and over and over. And what the word does, it pulls out those old detrimental thought processes. It'll bring down strongholds. It'll just eradicate vain imaginations. And it'll birth new, a new way of thinking that will cause who you are on the inside to be shown on the outside. Amen. So now, Romans 12, 3. Man, it's taken me four weeks to get here. I'm actually not there yet, but, but we're, starting to, we're starting to go there, okay? It says in Romans 12, 3, For I say, this is Paul talking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, look at this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So God does not want you to think more highly than you ought to think. Now religion will say that means that you've got to walk around thinking you're a lowly worm, you're an old wretch. But that is not what this is talking about. Okay? We've we got to read this in context. More highly than you ought to think. This word highly in the Greek means arrogantly. You know, when a person is arrogant, that means look at who I am because of me. But we're not arrogant. We're bold. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why? Because we know the lion of the tribe of Judah. So boldness comes from who you know. So this word, mean, this word highly means arrogantly, and it means this, contrary to contrary to don't think contrary to something hmm but the bible as as we're going to see as we go to these verses we're going to see that thinking more highly of yourself is this it's thinking beyond the desires that god has given you i would love to be able to get up on that keyboard and lead worship I would love to be able to be a worship leader. There's just one problem. Now, I am a worship leader as a pastor. I could, I could flow. I mean, I, I could, you know, uh, because I played a lot of basketball, I have rhythm. But here's the problem. If I was like, okay, Pastor Mark, you got to let me up here. I, you know, do, do you know how many problems are in a church? 
when the worship leader comes, the worship leader, in our case, the worship pastor, he comes to the pastor and goes, uh, pastor, I, I'm kind of treading a little lightly. I've got to talk to you. Um, your wife can't sing. Now, we don't have that problem. You guys don't know this, but her voice is gorgeous, along with every other fiber of her being, in my, in my opinion, which is, you know, let me, let me get back to reality here. <laughs> but, you know, but could you imagine if I went to Pastor Mark and I said, hey, you know what? The Lord's telling me I, I need to do a solo. See, the only, the only gift that's really missing is I can't sing. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. I can sing. I should just never sing with a microphone. The reason why I sit in the front row is this reason. Because you really can't hear me sing this way. I would feel so bad if I had to do this. I kind of feel bad for them if I sing too loud. I really felt bad for Teresa and Carissa on that stage. That's how come I started singing down on the ground behind the stage outside during that, you know, stuff we had to do that called drive-in church. Because... How do you keep a beat with that behind you, right? You know? <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. For me to think that I could get up there and lead worship, I don't have that gift. So that desire I have, guess what? It's not a desire from God. And I know that. All I have to do to know that is just think about teaching and preaching. Whew. Man, I could do that in my sleep. Now, if God ever wanted to make me as dynamic as a Bill Winston or a Steve Furtick, I'd be okay with that. Right? My dynamic is a little different. But you know, here's the thing. I know a desire from God because it'll be in line with the gifts that God's given me. So this is saying, don't think more highly. Don't think beyond the gifts that God has given you. But see, you've got to renew your mind with the word of God. Otherwise, you'll start getting confused and you'll start thinking. There are people that genuinely think that they can sing. Man, and they'll come to an audition and you're sitting there going, I am so glad I'm not Pastor Mark. To have to deal with that person and tell them, say, hey, thank you for trying out but no thank you, right? <laughs> so let's move on. But to think soberly. God wants us to think soberly. This word in the Greek means clearly. It means soundly. It means thinking in a right mind. It means to think not moved by your emotions. Your emotions are to motivate you to follow the plan of God for your life, they are never to move you and, try and lead you. Right? The Holy Spirit leads you. So this is not moved by your emotions. According as God hath dealt, this means, this word dealt means he's distributed something different to every man, the measure, and this word measure means a limited portion of faith. Now this is talking about faith to exercise the gifts given to us. See, I have all the faith that I will ever need to walk in all the gifts that I have to walk out every desire of my heart. So that's, see, in other words, God wants you and I to stay in our lane. Do you know what? I mean, I joke about Bill Winston and Steve Furtick, but you know, that's, I'm just kind of joking. Maybe I shouldn't even do that because that could fall into idle talk. But you know what? For years, I wasn't happy with who I am. And here's the thing, I'm always wanting to get better while I'm completely con content with who I am. Why? Because I know that I know that I know the truth about me. He formed me in my mother's womb. He actually thought more thoughts about my life before I was born than there is sand on the beach. I think about that when I go to the beach. It's one of the things I love about the ocean. I can't number the amount of thoughts 
and the plans and the purpose that God has for my life in the same way I could never number the sand. I'm actually one of a kind. So are you. So if you look at your life, I don't care how young you are, but the older you are, this will become clearer to you. You could look back at your life right now. Look at how many times the enemy has come at you to try to minimize who you are. I love that song where it says, I am a child of God. When I think of that, I don't, I'm not thinking that I'm anything in myself. I'm just like, wow, how blessed to be the apple of God's eye. His eye, the creator of the universe's eye is upon you. And he's teaching us how, this is, this is teaching you and I tonight, how to walk in the Zoe life of God, to experience days of heaven on this earth. I'm telling you, you're a world overcomer simply because you're born of God. It says, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Verse 4 of Romans chapter 12. Boy, we're flying now. (laughs) For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Does that make sense? We have many people in this church but not everybody has the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. So he's trying, he's trying to, to really define what he's saying here. And every one members of one another. Don't put another believer down. You're one with them. And then this is what I want you to see. This is what's going to be a launching pad to talk about a lot of things. And now it's going to explain this. There's many members in one body, but all of us have different offices. There's different gifts. But we're all one. Right? We're the body of Christ. And now look at this. Having then gifts differing. You should underline that. Gifts differing. According to the grace that is given... So you have gifts differing, grace given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. In other words, faith proportioned. So look at this, gifts differing according to the grace given and faith proportioned. This is revealing a huge fact. So let's look at this. In other words, we all have different gifts. Okay? Like I look at, so, so Pastor Dave and I, now it's no fair, but I'm okay with it a little bit. He can sing. I'm, I, I, I make a joyful noise. But we're both, we're both pastors. We both preach. But the expression of the gift in him is different than the expression of the gift in me. Right? Teresa and Carissa, both up here leading worship, right? Both are worship gifts, but they're different. Emily and Teresa and Carissa and Fran, all of them up here singing all worship gifts, but they're different. But do you notice how they have one voice? Because they're members one of another. See, God will never give you a desire that's contrary to your gift. And your gift is beautiful. So, we've just really looked at, and this is how I want to break this down now, there are four things that will help you determine your purpose. Four things. Desires is the first one. You are to pursue your desires. The second one is gifts. Gifts, what do you do with your gifts? You stir them up. You pursue your desires, but you stir your gifts. The third one is grace. What do you do with the grace of God? You flow in the grace. So I pursue my desires, I stir up my gifts, 
and I flow in the grace. It's a flow. And then what do I do? The fourth one is faith. What do you do with faith? You exercise your faith. Okay, so you pursue your desires, you stir up your gifts, you flow in your grace, and you exercise your faith. And as you do that, you will determine exactly God's plan and purpose for your life. These four things can never be separated. You'll never be able to determine God's plan and purpose for your life unless you are literally pursuing your desire. So Satan's going to try to get you to stop from doing that. Unless you're stirring up your gifts. You know one of the greatest ways to stir up your gifts? Use your mouth. It's your stir. And here's what's really, really important. Your gifts will stir as you're around and planted where God wants you to be planted. When I get around you guys, the gifts inside of me stir. They just stir. Right? If I get in a different environment, I have to stir them. But they stir. When I'm in the will of God, man, they just, it's so easy to stir. So this is important. I stir my gifts, and then as I'm stirring my gifts, as I'm pursuing my desires, there will be a flow of the grace of God and always, I'll be in a position where I've constantly got to exercise my faith to believe God for things. It's the way it works. James chapter 1 in verse 17 says this, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, our Heavenly Father, with whom is no variableness. I love that Greek word, paralage. There is no paralage in him. This means, this Greek word means he, he never changes alternately from one to another. There's no variableness in him. If he's done it for one, he will do it for everyone. Isn't that good news? God is no respecter of persons. That's why he, salvation is for everyone. That's why Jesus literally died for the sins of the whole world. Now think about that. Because God has no ability to ver be variable, Jesus Christ, about 1,990 years ago, died and bore sins on his body on that tree of people that did not serve him and already had died. But God can't show any respect of persons. Isn't that amazing? God is good to all. It says here, and there's neither shadow of turning with him. So now in 2 Timothy, and if you could turn over there, 2 Timothy chapter 1, talking about these gifts. 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 6 and 7, it says something real interesting. This is Paul talking to a young pastor. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear... This is the Greek word delia. It means something that turns you into a coward. This word literally is describing something that hasn't happened yet. The spirit of fear will cause you to go, oh my gosh, I, what if I get a virus? What if I get cancer? What if this situation does not work out? It's not something that's happening. It's something that hasn't happened yet. It asks the question, the spirit of fear asks the question of what if. Isn't it interesting, right after Paul says, stir up the gifts, he says, for God has not given you the spirit of fear. Wow. There's a reason for that. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, you stir up your gift because God has not given you the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear will cause two reactions. 
it'll cause you to never figure out your most dominant gift. If you're in fear, you're going to have a real hard time ever figuring out your dominant gift. And number two, it'll cause you to not be able to walk in it. That's why we eradicate fear out of our life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you're with me. I'm not afraid of sickness and disease. I'm not afraid of pestilence or a virus. I'm not afraid of evil tidings. I'm not afraid. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. No man takes my life, I lay it down. What's the worst thing that could happen to me? Death. I don't fear death. To be honest with you, it kind of excites me. But I refuse to leave the planet early. Right? But wow, death. Whew. Like Oral Roberts one time when his doctor, he was really up in, a, up in age and he had some symptoms and some things going on in his body and his doctor's like, Oral, we've got to get serious about this. You have some things going on in your body that are really bad. We're talking that could end your life. And Oral Roberts had said that he leaned over and he said, Doc, stop. He, go, he goes, you're exciting me. <laughs> Seeing Jesus just sounds so exciting. Stop that because I don't want to leave the planet early. That's the way we live, guys, because the greater one's on the inside of us. The power of God is what makes your gift effective. I would write this down. The power of God makes your gift effective. The love of God is what makes your gift palatable to others. It, it's what will make your gift acceptable. Man, one time, and I, I've told this story before, there was this young man full of zeal, just wanted to preach, love God, and this young man was at the beginning of the pier in Pismo Beach, California, where you know, where we were, and man, he's preaching, and he is, you know, there's a gift there to preach, but the love of God's what makes it palatable and acceptable. I was concerned that these guys were going to throw him off the pier, because people would walk by, and he's preaching, turn or burn, and he's quoting scriptures, and he's beating people up. If you don't repent, you're going to burn in hell, and people are walking by, F you, da-da-da, you know, giving, holding up one finger to them, you know, and, and really, I'm going to kick your butt. I wish you preachers would just go away. Why? Because the love of God is what makes your gift palatable to others, right? The power of God makes it effective. Notice, you don't make it effective. Isn't that cool? No pressure. It's, if the power of God's not there on your gift... Not, nothing's happening, right? The love of God makes it acceptable, but here is an important part, and we have to say this to charismatic Christians. A sound mind makes your gift useful. You don't want to be a Star Trek Christian, boldly going where no man nor God or the Holy Spirit has gone before, Right? See, desire, this desire that you have, it provokes you to do something with your gift. So as you're pursuing your desire, it'll provoke you to do something with your gift. And then the grace of God, you'll flow in the grace of God as you walk that out in your life. The grace God gives one differs from the grace that God gives another. This is why never compare yourself. In ministry, don't ever compare yourself. In life, don't ever compare yourself. There's nothing to compare to. Your gifts are different. Your plan is different. You might be the same as one other person, but it'll be completely different. So you can't compare yourself to anyone. Faith Family Church is not in competition with the other churches in the area. Right? It doesn't matter how awesome that church might be in the natural. Man, it was hilarious when we started out in a cafeteria in Elkhorn. 
people would walk in a cafeteria and sit in little kids' chairs. And I'm like, I, I remember when we were at Kiwit, they wouldn't let us have a sign. So, you, you know, the city wouldn't let us have a sign. Kiwit would not let us have a sign. And with my personality, which is kind of about excellence, we had an old banner bungee corded to a 1995 U-Haul minivan or U-Haul moving truck. And I remember driving to church one Sunday, looking at this moving truck going, this is hilarious why anybody would ever want to come to this church. <laughs> but they did. It was like this. Yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I, you know, They'd walk in a cafeteria. When we started the church, we tell people, can you invite your friends to come to help us out at first? Make sure they drive every car that they have and don't park on the normal parking lot. Go around the back and don't park next to each other. Spread yourself out so it looks like more people are here. <laughs> it was so much fun. But when you walk in this, there's grace. Faith proportioned. Your faith will not work where you have no grace. I'm going to leave you with this tonight. Everyone has grace and salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, prosperity. Everybody has, everybody has that. That's grace. That's the finished work of Christ. But we're talking about God's specific plan for your life. If there's not a grace for you, there is no grace for me to pastor a church in Southern California, even though I love the Pacific Ocean. There's no grace for me to be there. And you know what? It's okay. Because God puts me on the Pacific Ocean all the time. And I love it and I enjoy it, but I want to get back to Omaha. Because why? This is, this is my heaven. This is where the grace of God is. There is not any place anywhere or any material thing in your life that compares to when you're able to flow in the grace of God and exercise your faith and stir your gifts and pursue your desires. That is the perfect place for you. Amen?